Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and, uh, well, the uh, sergeant of spirits of the Sentinel of Spirits. Uh, We've got a great show, as always, right here on 570 KVI. If you ever miss a show, remember, we have a website. It's called happyhourradio.net, and check us out on Facebook. You can ask some questions. We'll get them answered. Uh, It's uh, Happy Hour Radio on Facebook, and if you are a tweeter... Tweaker, a uh, tweeter. It's at Happy HR Radio, and we can do some tweeting. And uh, you know, I think POTUS is following me, so that's that's good. Um, we had a great show last week. It was cider, Calvados, and Pomo. And uh, today we we switched to vodka, the uh, the clear, colorless, odorless, tasteless spirit by definition, which uh, is one of the most popular spirits in the world. Obviously, you think about vodka. We've got vodka from Polish vodka in France and Russia and America and Canada. <laughs> and everywhere else, uh, in a lot of ways, it's uh, it's called pisco because really, it's really kind of a vodka. It's just um, made with uh, you can make it with potatoes or sweet potatoes or wheat or barley or corn um, or wine grapes, uh, as long as it's colorless, odorless, tasteless, uh, and it's made in by eighty proof ABV. But I have someone here, a young man. He's a CEO, one of the youngest CEOs in the industry. I'm pretty sure his name is Martin Ferguson, and he uh, is the CEO of Alphabet Vodka. I met these cats at Proof, the uh, Washington Stores Festival, which took place a couple weeks ago down in Fremont. Fantastic event. I always recommend that you check it out. Uh, Varsity Communications does a great job. We heard him on the show here. Lots of distillers, lots of uh, um, mixologists and purveyors of goodness, uh, of course, in moderation. Uh, But Martin Ferguson, hey, welcome to Happy Hour. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure. Uh, you are, are you Alaska native? I am, actually, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> my mom's side from uh, Ketchikan, around the Ketchikan, Alaska area from southeast Alaska. I've so. never been up there to Alaska. Should I go? I highly recommend it. Yeah, that's cool, huh? They uh, So three times as wet as Seattle, which I'm born and raised from Seattle, so I don't really count this as too wet. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's, it's actually beautiful up there. So All right. Well, I'm, it's on my list. I, I got to do that. Um, you uh born and raised in Seattle, but you lived in Alaska? Uh, no, I spent uh, half a summer up there with family and just doing some other work and wow. more or less just kind of adventuring up there. So All right. Uh, what's your background? Uh, you you were a student. you go to college? Uh, yeah, so I went to uh, Everett Community College, so got pretty involved, became uh, pretty scholastic up there, which wasn't necessarily uh, <laughs> what someone really considered me before, so I guess high school was more or less like the class clown reputation, then became really good at school and real driven and got an outstanding student leader uh, while going to Everett Community College, so student body president for two years up wow. there, so great experience, uh, transferred down to to University of Washington uh, after three years at Everett Community College. So. Really? Good for you. Are you still attending school? No, I'm not. So actually, I ended up suspending my education with uh, one year left at suspending UW. Suspending it. I like it. Yeah. All right. So you, you can still enroll. Maybe you can still do walk-on for football. Yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, 
Okay, so obviously when we think about alcohol and we think about our native population, there's there's always been a bit of a challenge there. Uh, is that something you've struggled with? Um, not necessarily. Uh, one one thing also like through involvement with school is obviously a more awareness of like the lack of Native American population in uh, higher education, which has been something I definitely was able to be a part of as a leader to kind of shed light on and to try to seek out other natives who might think higher education is not obtainable for them and let them know like, you know, I, I also didn't ever think that would be something for myself once upon a time. But, you know, you get around the right people, some real positive influence, people who really encourage you and be pretty surprised what you can do in school. So Wow. Well, good for you. Um, yeah. And CEO, what, how are you qualified to be CEO? Uh, so I guess long, long story short, so I've been in the restaurant uh, bar industry for 10, 10 years before I got involved with uh, Alphabet Vodka. Um, leading up to that, you know, most every front of the house position except for management. Um, and in my last few years of restaurant industry, more kind of top 15 cocktail bars in Seattle. So definitely had a chance to work with a lot of great influential bartenders, some really cool ingredients. And uh, I definitely learned a lot. So um, kind of fast forwarding. Were you a Belltown guy or Capitol Hill guy or where? Um, mostly kind of downtown, like Il Bistro, Pike Place Market. Il Bistro. And then uh, and amongst that, also oh, when uh, Vito's reopened on First Hill. Yeah. Um, that, Is it still was, open? I believe it's still open. <laughs> yeah, the same guys that run the hideout uh, opened that one up. So it's been been a lot of cool learning I going on behind Vito's. there. Well, good for you. Uh, and I think being on the floor, being in the trenches, so to speak, gives you great, first of all, it's customer service. It's all about customer service and it comes down to it. But also organization. Yeah. And in a restaurant, you've got so many moving parts. You've got timing issues. You've got uh, calculations. You've got uh, service and, and, and ambience and environment and just uh, panache kind of thing. So all of that really makes people a better person. I'm working with some young people at a restaurant and it's I'm trying to tell them that everything you do here is a reflection of everybody else and this is going to help you in the greater life and obviously it helped you so let's talk about alphabet vodka yeah. Ooh, what's I mean alphabet no this is cool folks we've got three bottles of vodka and the bot the bottles are shaped as letters a B and C and I understand you're gonna have a to Z at some point but we're starting Correct. with ABC yeah like the Jackson five so tell me what yep. uh, who started alphabet vodka uh, so a uh, young man by the name of uh, Andy Mai. So he, um, I guess, one one day we're we're out doing some traveling. Hence the uh, suspended the the education there at UW. So kind of got addicted to traveling, doing some backpacking, and we're we're out for maybe a couple months and just talking about what is it we want to do when we get home. No job, no school obligations. You know, what is it you want to do? Oh, wow. One of those conversations. You know, so he uh, he said, you know, well, I guess I've always wanted to open my own vodka company, and I was like. Oh yeah, cool. Right on. You know, like it's exciting. You know, you're having beers in Cambodia. You don't really take that too serious. But um, long story short, he uh, came back and kind of was able to do some consulting for him as he started to put the pieces of the puzzle together to get the brand established. So established 2013. Um, production itself didn't begin until just after 2014. So the all the the background stuff took quite some time, and the bottle design as well. It's something that's never been done before, uh, custom letter-shaped bottles. So it was quite the undertaking, big learning curve for, for Andy for sure. So it was always, um, always uh, a busy thing to be able to kind of get that ball rolling. So we're definitely excited. So after production began, um, 2014, distribution started initially in Florida and Southern California, a little off the beaten path. Uh, obviously, the hometown, the home state here in Washington was the number one goal. However, 
I think it was. You like uh, to travel? Let's <laughs> go to Florida. It uh, it worked out well. I think you know offering online sales was uh, one way to definitely put out more of a reach and reach more people initially, um, and test the markets in those areas before we were like, okay, we're ready. We're ready to bring it home to Seattle, to Washington State, to our hometown. A really, you know, and I think building the demand and popularity in that initial year of distribution um, in those states was something that also really helped us gain the momentum and traction we got when we opened up here. So pretty cool. Let's talk about the. Bottle shape itself. Obviously, yeah. the letters—they're um, block letters. They're capitals. You—you you had to have some design elements. Did someone help you with graphics, or did you just go find a font that you liked, or what? <laughs> um, so, there's been a, a few people that uh, Andy and I have gotten in contact with early on in kind of the design process, the marking materials, and so on. And um, certain people, you know, you really click well with. So, there's been. Um, one guy in particular that helps us a lot with all the dimensions and different stuff like that. So to keep, you know, a standard 750 milliliter bottle, um, right. uh, with these different designs, it yeah. takes a little more, yeah, a little more creativity. Plus you want to achieve the same height. So as time goes on, as we release Fit more them in letters, the same boxes, yeah, you know, the display is nice and even in your back bar or, you know, a restaurant or bar or anything like that. So. It's pretty neat. I'm wonder. Uh, so for me, I would say I'll be going to restaurants that start with A because you've got so, and Dina and Dina and Luca, all these you know Anthony's. I mean, to me, like, hey, you got to have this vodka. Then you can go to uh, Buca de Beppo <laughs> with the B's and yeah. Chandler's with the C's and, and all down the line. And that's probably a great strategy. But I don't know. Did you find that as you do? Uh, marketing materials, how much marketing materials you actually needed? Did you realize that? When you said, oh, we're going to need a card, I'm going to need a brochure, and a flyer. That's it. But in reality, yeah. is there more than that? Oh, yeah. There's, there is so many different aspects that, that go into this. And then one day you're like, you know what? Like one day I, I remember I designed a skateboard deck and I was like, we need this. <laughs> and, you know, and there's some things that obviously you bounce off each other in different meetings. You're like, this is a cool idea. And you put it in the idea pile. But, um, you know, as far as a skateboard deck, you know, what we're doing now is we're doing a lot of cool uh, video marketing towards local bartenders, local photographers, oh, local right. skateboarders, uh, local artists and musicians. So basically just tying in everyone that's in and around us, that's passionate, that's goal driven, and that's making some movements here uh, in the Seattle area and Washington state. So being able to team up with other people somewhat like ourselves, maybe young, but maybe just really getting after it and trying to get the traction that they want with their goals. So it's been really cool. Interesting. Quite an aspiring story. Uh, speaking with Martin Ferguson, who is the CEO of Alphabet Vodka, and you're actually based in Seattle, but the production is? Uh, so we do our production, full production, uh, and bottling in Denver. Let's talk about the product. So um, initially, as the uh, bottle, the glass bottle was getting designed, we knew we had X amount of time to research our base ingredient we determined we'd go with corn separate ourselves from the majority of local brands which typically are wheat uh big european brands are winter wheat so let's go that naturally gluten-free category and take it a step further see if we can source non-gmo corn uh, that took quite some time <laughs> um, but we were stoked we found it uh which led us to denver um so all the corn non-gmo corns um locally sourced from the denver area so like okay do we bring the corn back to Seattle to produce our product, or we decided that's number one reason for going to Denver for production. Number two was the uh, Rocky Mountain water, um, obviously a marketable source known for purity. So when you know when we do move out of distribution of Washington State, you know which exclusively in Washington for right now, you know it's be some people would recognize as a a very pure water source. Sure. 
Uh, reason number three, there's um, a rare glass still. So being able to, uh, in the sixth distillation, goes through a rare glass still. Um, that helps minimize the contact with metal. So uh-huh. your end result, much more pure, much more approachable. Interesting. So, And did you take um, some science classes or uh, what do they call it? Z- uh, Zimolo- no, what is it? Uh, oh, I forget. It's a zymology word or something like that. No. Zymergy, I think, is the study of fermentation. Oh, no. And distillation. No. So... Where can we find this this really fun product? I just tasted it. I think it's delicious, for especially for a corn. Corn can be really fusel, real hot. It can be like um, nitroglycerin a lot of times because we get the moonshine. It's too hot. But this is mm-hmm. well. This is very balanced. It, it's it's clean. It's very. It has a little bit of sweetness and the color. Did you? Is there blue in here? There's some color in here. No, it's. It does look funny in that glass that you're holding across from me right now. It does. Gonna, it looks. Okay, like what did you mix that with? It's yeah. got a glow. Pretty wild. Well, where can we find uh, Alphabet Vodka? So um, all around the area, if you're different Total Wines and Whole Foods markets, um, as far as like retail stores, where to go pick up a bottle for yourself. Uh, easy answer for <laughs> the easy answer for where to go to consume, it, like whether it be bar, restaurant, club, anything like that. On our website, there's a tab, drinkalphabet.com. You can click on where to buy, type in your zip code or say like Seattle, and it'll tell you everything closest to you where you can go sit down, order a cocktail. And well, if I want to get a bottle today, where would I go? Buy a bottle. Um, probably from right here, you could go to, to Total Wine or Whole Foods. That's right. closest to you, or Downtown Spirits. Downtown Spirits, yeah, it's just yeah. across the way. What's the bottle cost? Um, it, I think the average retail is about thirty four ninety nine. So, well, that's fun. Now, um, my question is, I, I don't know if a penny will fit in that that top. Yeah, I think it have it have to be some dimes. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. So you have a website. It's called drinkalphabet.com. Um, the product is really tasty. I'm 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 impressed. I didn't have a chance to taste it uh, that day at Proof. Uh, you know, there's so much product there, and I yeah. I had a good time. And um, you know, this can only take so much. Exactly. But hey, well done. Congratulations. Um, and so right now it's ABC. Yep. You can find it at Whole Foods and drinkalphabet.com. Martin Ferguson, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you very much. Hey, this is really fun, folks. Um, if you have uh, you know, a graduating person who could drink, an adult who's graduating, get them a bottle. Like this whole ABC stuff, it's going to be a hit. Um, and unfortunately, someone's going to knock you off. Can you, you can't actually, you can probably trademark those bottles, all right? Oh, yeah, we got, uh, we got patents on the full outfit. Some numbers and, uh, wow. some, and the numbers in some symbols as well. So, so fun. All right. Hey, folks, stick around. we got more coming right here on 570 KVI. Two regular guys separated by 20 years and a full head of hair. Mark Lee and Van Camp. Weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. And you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round two. And uh, if you've ever been wine tasting or beer tasting, for that matter, you've probably looked for a little something to nosh on. And typically that involves something called cheese. And uh, I have to say that I am a cheesehead by birth. I'm a Packers fan, but also I'm a diehard Seahawks fan. So it's kind of a win-win. Uh, and for me, this is kind of today is a homecoming. I'm heading back to Wisconsin via the uh, the, the cellular line here. And I'm going to be speaking with um, uh, Suzanne, who is the executive director Vice President of Marketing, uh, Suzanne Fanning of the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, because we're going to talk about the world's largest cheese board. Hey, Suzanne, welcome to Happy Hour. 
Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here, too. So this is really exciting. So um, are you from Wisconsin? I am originally from the East Coast, but I have lived in Wisconsin for uh, 13 years now. So okay. people call me a processed cheesehead. Ah, uh, processed cheesehead. Oh, that's cute. Well, I... I <laughs> started to hear some of that accent in your voice so it sounds like you know how to say Wisconsin so uh, I'm feeling right <laughs> at home with you uh, so uh, let's talk about cheese uh, do you know how much cheese is made in the entire world is the moon made of cheese uh, you know to us it is it absolutely is and I love <laughs> cheese to the moon and back <laughs> I like it. Well, I'm just kidding around here. Let's talk about Wisconsin cheese. So the, the dairy industry, um, obviously, Wisconsin is known for cheese, the cheese heads. Uh, how big is the industry there in Wisconsin? So uh, dairy is Wisconsin's biggest industry. It's about a $44 billion industry here. In Wisconsin, 90% of the milk that is produced goes into making cheese. We always say in Wisconsin we eat our milk, and that's absolutely true. <laughs> 90% of that cheese, however, is sold outside of Wisconsin's borders. So it's perfect that I'm talking to you way over there. Wow. Well, um, so how many types of cheese are made in Wisconsin? Is I mean, I think about the old Hickory Farm smokehouse, and uh, I can remember my childhood and all sorts of cheese. And, and of course, uh, Wisconsin is known for the Italians and the Germans and the uh, who else is out there? There's I remember all those festivals in Milwaukee. But how many kinds of cheese are made in Wisconsin? different cheeses here um, and we're really seeing sort of a, an artisan cheese renaissance for sure so we have hundreds of different types and styles of cheeses over 600 types and styles and varieties of cheeses and just even today on this cheese board we've got cheeses that are infused with wine we've got cheeses that are rubbed with herbs we've got mountains and mountains of squeaky squeaky flavored curds um, every single thing to delight every single palate Wow, that is really exciting. Now, you are actually creating uh, you, you, the, the Washington, excuse me, <laughs> the Wisconsin Dairy Council. Uh, you guys are putting together a, a Guinness World Record event today, aren't you? We are indeed, yes. Well, tell me, well, the, the, the world is waiting to hear what's going on there in Wisconsin. <laughs> All right. Well, there are several, several different pieces of this, but we did decide to create the world's largest cheese board and have it officiated by the Guinness Book of World Records. And the reason that we wanted to do that was to showcase to the entire world the amazing breadth of our incredible artisan cheeses, um, because we do have so many. We have been making cheese in Wisconsin since before Wisconsin was a state. So, I mean, it's truly, truly amazing. Um, and so that's really why we wanted to do it. So we have a giant cheese board. It is about 35 feet long and about 7 feet wide, and we have literally two tons of Wisconsin cheeses to put on it. Wow. Does it have that little tassel on the end so you can hang it on the wall? It does indeed, but you'd have to have a heck of a wall to hang this one on. <laughs> now, how is this being put out? Is this on top of a semi-trailer or something? You're going to bring it out like that, or do you have uh, a bunch of... Uh... Uh, journeymen or, or uh, slave laborers over there to help uh, bring this giant cheese board out? It has been an all-day labor of love, I will tell you that. We started, it's great, I have pictures of, um, actually before the sun came up, we've got a sunrise picture of our folks building a digitally fabricated barn. So think a giant 3D printer for wood, basically. Wow. Um, and we have a really cool barn, and inside we have this giant cheese board, which came in several pieces, so they put it together today. They did tie the little leather tassel on it. <laughs> we have a refrigerator truck that we rented. 
we gathered all the cheese. We waited this morning at the hotel starting at 7 o'clock this morning. We had the official judge from the Guinness Book of World Records, and we also had um, a specialist in weights and measures as well as a health inspector. A lot of rules to break a Guinness World Record. Oh, sure. oh, I see. So the cheese board actually has to be um, approved by the health board? Oh, yes. Every <laughs> single thing. They, they watch the cheese from the time we take it out of the refrigerator, the entire time that we handle it, how long it's out of refrigeration, how cold the truck is when we bring it over. Um, and we can only have it out for about four hours this afternoon. Okay. So, and what's the temperature um, there today? Is it going to be a warm one? Seattle's been blazing hot, so I'm sure all that cheese will be melted over here. It is a warm one. Um, we've got some hearty cheeses that we're serving, so we did pay attention <laughs> to that when we selected the kinds. We have a tarp on top of our barn to protect the cheese, um, and it does start in the evening hours, so as the sun is starting to go down. Awesome. Uh, well, you said that they're they're uh, constructing the cheese board from prefabricated parts. Did you get this at Ikea or something? <laughs> no. It's just so large. We obviously couldn't have one board that huge, so they built it in Milwaukee. Um, and then we brought it down here in a few pieces and put it all together. Um, it is a thing of beauty to behold, I will tell you that. And what's going to happen to this giant 34 by 7 foot cheese board after the consumption of the 3,500 plus pounds of Wisconsin cheese? <laughs> all right, well, let's first talk about the consumption of the cheese. Okay. That's a good piece of the question. It does all have to be consumed according to Guinness World Record oh, rules. Oh, you and can't so just build it. I see. It has to be functional. Yeah, no, you it has to be functional. It all, they don't want to promote food waste in any way. Okay. So we are doing this right down in the heart of the capital, Madison, Wisconsin, at Concerts on the Square, which is a huge event where everybody comes. Put They put out their blankets and they listen to music every Wednesday night. They have about forty to 50,000 people that attend this event. So they're going to help smokes. us consume that cheese. Wow. Yeah, we're also going to. Yeah, we're going to raffle some wheels off, and the proceeds go to the Great American Milk Drive to, pro- to provide milk to children in need across the state. Um, and then we are going to donate any packaged cheese that's left to the Second Harvest Food Bank. So all of it will be consumed, so that's a great story. Um, the board we were just discussing, because it is so absolutely gorgeous, and I think it's more than any of us expected it to be. We were just saying we should take it on tour across the country and bring a little bit of Wisconsin to people all over the United States. Well, that sounds pretty fun. Or, uh, like here in Seattle, we have these giant art installations, which, you know, one is one of those uh, paddle balls, and the other is a giant uh, old eraser with a brush. I can imagine you just put that in the ground and just call it good. It's artwork all of a sudden. That's true. Well, we are in America's Dairyland. <laughs> so fun. Now, I, don't, I take it there's not a big giant knife next to that cheese board, is there? <laughs> there is not. But we do have this really cool art on the street where people can, it's kind of like that 3D art. So you stand on it and oh, right. like standing on top of a gigantic piece of cheese. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, is there a website? Yeah, there's a knife with those. <laughs> is, okay, is there a website for photos that people can go uh, check it out and just sort of admire and have a good chuckle? Yes, you can definitely go to our website, which is WisconsinCheese.com. Also, you can follow along on Facebook and on our Facebook events page. So check us out. How many followers do you have on your Facebook page? And Are they all human? Do you have any... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we have we have about 160,000 fans and they're highly engaged. People absolutely love cheese. 
We all love cheese, uh, whether you're uh, making pizza or uh, having a wine party. Now, I trust you're going to have wine and beer there, right? Because, you know, uh, we have uh, beer goes well with cheese with that uh, fondue and uh, wine. Uh, there's a um, nascent wine industry in Wisconsin, too, I, I believe. Yep, and a little bit of beer, as you may know. Uh, we definitely feel like cheese is everybody's favorite drinking buddy. We agree with you. We've got, we're giving away some little uh, wine uh, openers. Here at the event, we're giving away some beer koozies at the event. Um, so we've we're, we've got it covered. We can't sell the alcohol, but there is a beer tent right next to us. So we think that uh, we go together pretty well. It wouldn't be Wisconsin without a beer tent next to something. Some event going on like <laughs> next that. To pretty much everything. Uh, pretty cool. How many um, producers have participated in uh, donating cheese for this uh, Guinness Book of World Records? Uh, we probably have about, I should look, I have all their names on the back of my shirt right now. I think probably about 75 different producers. Uh, that's pretty exciting. And, is, and who's the largest producer of cheese in Wisconsin? Well, I can tell you the largest piece of cheese on our board. Okay. And the largest piece actually weighs 2,000 pounds, and that's by Henning. Wow. So that is the centerpiece of our entire board. Wow. So is that just, is that like mild cheddar or do you have a new category like heavy cheddar? (laughs) No, it's going to actually, that particular piece is going to go to a grocery store and they're very excited that it's on our board. It's going to go up in the Northeast and they will cut it up and serve it in their store. So So fun. Kind of a fun story. That is really fun. Well, what a treat. Congratulations. Uh, Way to break the Guinness Book of World Records. I imagine you'll have a Guinness there too, just to make sure that the judge has (laughs) is feeling all right at the time. Uh, Suzanne Fanning, the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin Vice President Marketing of Communications, thanks so much for sharing the uh, world's largest cheese board at Concerts on the Square in Madison, Wisconsin, here on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks for having me. So fun. Hey, folks, uh, always carry a toothpick. You never know when you might run into a giant cheese board, and uh, you might need to help out to make this an official event. Pretty cool. The Guinness World Records for the world's largest cheese board. Uh, I love it. Hey, coming up next, uh, I'm going to have, we're going to talk the Cider Summit. And uh, next week, check it out. We've got the Auction of Washington Wines. I've got uh, Shelly Tomberg and Jason Gorski right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round three, and I'm super excited. I've got uh, my cider friends here. I've got Curtis Fenton, one of the cider tenders over at Capital Cider in Capitol Hill. And, of course, Alan Shapiro, who is the founder of Cider Summit. Uh, uh, Alan and Curtis, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you so much. Thanks Good to be for here. Having us back, Chris. Yeah, um, I was uh, had the pleasure of your generous uh, generosity got me down to the Portland Cider Summit. Very impressive. It's cool to see uh, people just out there enjoying cider, and of course, Cider Summit's coming to Seattle. Right, our ninth annual event is coming up on September seventh and eighth in South Lake Union at the Discovery Center near Westlake and Denny's. So, it's the biggest kind of cider tasting opportunity that happens in the area. More than 50 cider vendors there and better part of 200 ciders and cider cocktails and a few apple spirits and all kinds of good stuff for people to try. Interesting. Has the acreage of apples increased over the past nine years, do you think? Or 
if people just started harvesting fruit from those old trees that didn't, those apples didn't taste good. You know, it's changing because um, to more plantings of real heritage cider apples, right? So that didn't exist 10 years ago when we were just kind of getting started with this. So some of those orchardists are slowly converting uh, some of that uh, acreage over to, to real cider apples to meet the increased demand for that. Now, that's not a difficult process, right? Because they can do that with wine vines. They can graft over um, rootstock. And I imagine there's probably some little scion that you can add to a, like an existing uh, trunk root system. Yeah, I think that's correct. There's a, uh, But there's a limited number of people that were growing true cider apples across the country that are able to provide that scion wood. Um, but, yeah, that definitely shortcuts the uh, the process, and it's uh, happening. The acreage has grown quite a bit, but it's really still tiny across the U.S., sure. and it's only several hundred acres, I think, across the entire country. Now, Cider Summit, it's the foremost um, national cider con- conference or symposium or tasting opportunity. I, I want to say there's one in Boston, or was that you and one in Chicago? Are you the guy? We do four. So uh, our team does uh, – we started here in Seattle in 2010 – so this is number nine. We're wow. approaching our 10th anniversary. Uh, we added Portland the following year. Uh, we went to Chicago to coincide with an industry conference that started happening in 2013. And then we went to the Bay Area in 2014. So All right. we produced four of them. Yeah, well, that's exciting. And how many uh, cider producers are there in so, Perry? We'll, can't, we can't, is Perry involved? Yeah, we have a little bit of Perry. Um, there's not that many producers uh, making that, but we'll have. It looks. It's looking like we're going to have 53 different producers for this year's event, and probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 175 to 200 different options. Wow! Um, and tickets are available, right? So people can go to cidersummit.com and a couple of clicks, you can buy some tickets. We've got a couple of options. We've got general admission tickets. Um, that uh, that are good for both days, Friday and Saturday. And if you do the VIP option, you get in exclusively from 2 to 3 p.m. on Friday, and you get a bunch of extra tasting tickets to go with that as well. It should be VIC, VIC, very important cider Part of your cider consumer, VICC. <laughs> I know, like it's the vice. I'm a very important <laughs> cider enthusiast. We did something kind of fun this year with our based on feedback from our attendees, which is we've actually doubled the number of tastes that people get. So they said, we're fine with a little bit smaller portion size, but yeah. we want to try more cider. There's 175, 200 right. things here to try, so we don't want to be limited on that. We want to try more. And most people will come in, in groups, and so you can really try a lot of stuff then with your 16 or 24 tasting tickets. Okay, and that's that sounds like a great time. Is food's available, I imagine? Food Apple on pie, site for purchase, some, some good sampling fun stuff from... Uh, jerky vendors and bark thins and cheese and uh, all the good stuff, all the snacky snacks. A good, good, fun way to spend an afternoon or two. Well, a good way to spend an afternoon is also by checking out Capital Cider and Curtis Fenton, your um, uh, former manager and now a cider tender, bartender there. Uh, talk about all the cool things that are happening at uh, Capital Cider. Absolutely, we're uh, very excited for Washington Cider Week coming up, and we'll be hosting a few different events. Um, at our spot. One special dinner we're looking forward to is the Heritage Cider Makers Dinner. We're going to be pairing a bunch of great uh, local cider makers with uh, a five-course dinner. Um, going to be happening September 12th at our spot. Tickets are going to be available there. Um, as well as that, we'll be excited to be present at the summit, pouring a great cider cocktail, some some super good bites to go along with all the drinks everybody will be enjoying, and uh, 
And uh, yeah, really looking Remember forward to it. Remember last year we had a really tasty experience here in studio. Um, how many ciders? Well, first of all, where is Capital Cider? We are located on Capitol Hill, corner of Pike and Broadway, yeah. 818 East Pike. Right there. And it's it's... Reminds me a little bit of a speakeasy. It's got a little bit of that Pioneer Square vibe where, like, okay, this is a little, it's got some earth tones, I'll say. Oh, oh, absolutely. You kind of, <laughs> you walk in, we got our upstairs restaurant, but, uh, but then, you know, as the, as the night goes on, we open up the basement bar as well, and that's a, that's a good spot to kick back, uh, after, after a day of whatever and have, a, have a few cold ones with us. Well, I'm curious, uh, with the Capitol Block Party, we, were, were people digging cider that weekend? Were, are people out there? And, uh, even with the, uh, the Pride Parade, did people come in? And, and consume some cider more oh, expectedly. People are always loving the cider. Yeah, we're 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 always enjoying the the eventful nightlife on Capitol Hill and kind of providing a good alternative spot to have a little bit of a different drink than a lot of a lot of other other people are offering on the hill there. An alternative spot for an alternative community. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> coincidental. <laughs> uh, pretty fun. So Capitol Cider, you have a, a cider dinner coming up on uh, September twelfth. You said correct. That's yes. pretty exciting. And how many ciders do you have available at Capitol Cider on Capitol Hill? Oh, uh, hundreds, <laughs> hundreds. We, uh, we, I mean, we're always offering like twenty draft styles, but uh, but what we're always super excited about is the more kind of vast selection of uh, rare bottles you don't see everywhere. A lot of uh, a lot of imported French, uh, Spanish, English bottles. A uh, really, really vast selection for some some fantastic heritage style ciders that you can't find everywhere else. That's very exciting. Um, one of uh, my guests just uh, recently was uh, Joan Harkins of Beauchamp Imports, and she's bringing some Britannia cider, Normandy cider over. And I was just smitten, as I am with cider, because it's uh, it's really getting better, to be honest. I think cider before was a little bit too pedestrian, um, but quaffable and, and fun. Uh, I like, you know, I'll drink a Sprite. I like Sprite. <laughs> <laughs> and cider was the kind of the equivalent of Sprite, but now it, it has texture, it has acidity, it has depth, it has complexity. You brought some ciders today. Let's talk about these. First one I've tasted is very light. It's elegant. It's uh, tart. There's a little bit of tannin to this. I'm going to say wine. I'm not going to say <laughs> cider. Apple <Tell> wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is uh, Dragon's Hearth. Dragon's Head oh, from over in Vashon. And uh, brought in a couple of these things because this year we really mm -hmm. want to spotlight the heritage producers that are really focusing on the styles that you were just mentioning. Really the more wine-like, elegant, real craft um, producers in the area. In fact, we're going to have a, a heritage cider tent for the first time. Oh. Uh, so people can really um, zero in on five producers that we're spotlighting. Not the there. heritage cider shack? Not. <laughs> you know, we haven't gone to print with anything yet, so maybe we'll steal that idea with your permission. That's right, now. the shotgun so, cider shack. Yep. Yeah. So Dragon's Head is over in Vashon, uh, owned by Wes and Laura Cherry, and, and a, a favorite of our of our team. I remember, you brought this before, and I, I, we've tasted it. Um, it's Great to be uh, re-familiarized with uh, the quality of the cider, and of course, there's just the the weight and balance of it. It's a beautiful cider. This is, of course, a heritage cider. So, do you, how many apples? I think it's like 300 heritage apples or something like that. It's a big number. This one is primarily from Manchurian crab apples, and then they said they do blend in a few other things. Um, <laughs> Whatever they, secret find. Whatever they find. Whatever they find. The kitchen sink. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, delicious. Um, yeah. You have another cider here. It's come from a 750 bottle with one of those cool um, Grolsch caps, I'll call it. Yeah, so this is uh, Sea Cider in British Columbia. I'll, I'll mess up the name of the, the city, San Dicton or San Ichton. Help me, anybody? Oh. I don't know. But, as long um, as it's not Dick Ichton. <laughs> 
he'll be here all week, kids. Okay. That's it. Um, so they're a great producer um, from BC. Mm. That, and uh, this one is called King and Spies and made from King Apples and Northern Spies. Interesting. It tastes a little boozy. Is it a little higher alcohol here? They tend to produce a little bit higher alcohol ciders. Yes. What is it? What does the label 8%. say on that one? Okay. Eight, which is a very lucky number in uh, China. <laughs> they um, Maybe we'll have a summit there. The, um, <laughs> They've got a lot of apples. They, they do. A lot of people. They do. They, uh, uh, Seasider also produces one called Prohibition, which is a rum barrel aged cider that's 12.5 ABV. That's and as you might guess, very popular. Well, yeah. I'm super excited because uh, later in the show, I'm going to be talking with these people from Glen Fittick, and they've got a new Scotch whiskey from Rum Cask Finish. So, Rum Cask is totally in. People like coconut and those tropical flavors. Uh, sea Cider is in uh, Icton, BC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's SEA Cider, which is pretty interesting. I'm surprised the Seattle Cider Company's not jumping on that at all. I have no comment about no that. No comment whatsoever. at that. That's um, <laughs> pretty cool. We have two more ciders. What ciders did you bring here? So we've got uh, Tiatin Hop Cider and uh, Fin River Black Current. So, oh, um, pretty exciting. We'll hold that. Yep. Um, we're going to come back from this break. We'll dive into those last two ciders. But it's Cider Summit's coming up. It's uh, September 7th and 8th. Correct. And it's down at South Lake Union at the uh, Discovery Center. Discovery Center lawn. Yep, right near uh, Westlake and Denny. And it's cidersummit.com. Dot com. Dot com for tickets. How, and you have two tickets, VIP, and then the very important cider enthusiast. VIP and uh, general admission <laughs> tickets, that. and you'll get lots of cider tastes and, and a good time. Cool. Well, hey, folks, I'm here with Curtis Fenton, uh, the cider tender over at Capital Cider, and Alan Shapiro, the founder of Cider Summit, coming up in Seattle. We've got two more ciders to taste, uh, and they're delicious, and i am uh, actually got a big smile. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Putting America first and holding the powerful accountable. Sean Hannity, weekdays 6 to 9 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for our fourth and final segment. we got four bottles of cider and only three people here. What will we do? Uh, having a great time with uh, Curtis Fenton over at Capital Cider and Alan Shapiro. We're talking about Cider Summit coming September 7th and 8th. Guys, you brought uh, some really tasty beverages here. I'm really impressed with the Dragon's Head Cider from Vashon and the Sea Cider from BC. Um, you have two more ciders. Uh, which one are we tasting first? So I think we'll go with the uh, Tiatin Dry Hopped. Um, so Tiatin's a longtime uh, participant of our festival um, over in Yakima, Washington. And uh, mm. they actually, so they, Finn River and Anthem, were some of the early adapters of adding hops to cider, which seemed kind of crazy a handful of years ago, but obviously they thought they could appeal to some uh, beer drinkers with that. Also, Tiatin is our partner this year um, in the Cider Summit Collaboration Cider. Each year we choose a different partner. That's right. I remember that now. And so they had a uh, blend of some bittersweet apple juice aging in bourbon barrels for two years. So they pulled some of that off for us, and uh, they've added some spices to it. 
And I'm, unfortunately, I'm just teasing you with this because I know I'm I just like, the last bottle like evaded my grasp. I'm thinking I want to start day. a new company that has water aged in bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but it will be at the festival on September seventh and eighth. Okay, cool. I think that's what they do at Shikshado, though. They <laughs> <laughs> if, you, uh, if you if you start that company, you can be at our festival next okay, year. Excellent, Curtis. Tell me about this cider, this dry hop. Now I'm really impressed with this particular one, hops. Yakima Valley, I've known worldwide, um, but this one has a very floral uh, hop note to it. To me, this is a little more appealing than some of those really heavier Cascade-type hops. Yeah, it's beautiful hop. You can look at hops in so many different ways from what they're going to bring out in, in a beer or specifically cider with the kind of the the lighter fruit notes. Um, that, that floral brightness can lend so much to a, to a delicious, crisp cider. Mm. Not going to have so much, like... Heavy earthy qualities as 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 so much of the bright really floral notes. Yeah, I don't want a cider pa. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Too bitter on the back end. Yeah, <laughs> um, but this is really delicious. I think to me this is one of the prettiest hop ciders I've had. I, I think you get the expression of it's great balance. Um, oh, and the hops is just uh, interesting enough to to go. Wow, this has got more complexity than um it normally would because it's also very lightweight on the palate, which is very refreshing as well. Yeah, it's just a great blend of uh, all those Yakima Valley products. You know, they're growing fantastic apples as well as hops for everyone else over there. So put it all together, and it's a it's a it's a very enjoyable product. And I hear the Yakima Indian Nation is growing some stuff too. <laughs> That'll be infused <laughs> Maybe, in cider. We'll, we'll, we'll get that blend next year, huh? Yeah, that's right. It's going to be on a green side. All right, this <laughs> next one is colorful. Tell me about this. This is the. Uh, Finn River Cider Company. Um, they are located out in Chimicum, in the kind of northwest corner of the state. Oh, and this is their Black Current, uh, fantastic, rich kind of tannic berry edition. Really, uh, really lingers with the, kind of the complexity on the palate. It's 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 a fantastic cider. It's Pinot Noir esque, or um, perhaps uh, Zweigel. It reminds me of an Austrian red. It's it's a little leaner for. I mean, I think a wine. It's a lean wine, but um, this has just a very hint of sweetness. It's got nice tart acidity and just a nice tannin finish to dry out the palate, which makes you want to take another sip. That's uh, the point, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I love that it's not cloyingly sweet at all. You, um, and it's really, yeah, it's beautifully balanced and nice berryish notes. It is very wine-like. Very refreshing, too. I think this is, you know, it reminds me of one of those juicy juices with, you know, the adult version. But it's got that juicy, ripe fruit flavor to it, but it's not like a kid drink. This is a, a perennial favorite at our <laughs> festival each year, one of the the most popular ciders there. And it's and such so. a pretty color. This is, uh, um, I don't know, what do you call it? It's, it's kind of claret, crimson. It's burgundy-esque. It's got a little blue tone in there as well. Um, black and blue, pretty neat. Anyway, that's that's the color you can see on radio. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> Uh, Curtis, Capitol Hill's open. Uh, Capitol Hill. Capitol Hill's open seven days a week. Capitol Cider open. Yes, we do. We do uh, lunch Monday through Friday uh, and a brunch on the weekends as well. So you can show up early and we'll take care of you any day of the week. Show up early, show up late, but uh, we'll certainly take care of you. And But don't show up late for, and don't be late to get your tickets for Cider Summit. Right. Cidersummit.com. You get all the info. And in a few more days, we will have all of the uh, cider list for this year posted. Uh, you know, as I said, about 53 cider vendors, 175 to 200 selections, and all that good info. And about what are the hours again? So Friday, general admission is 3P to 8P with a, a 2 p.m. VIP exclusive entry. And then Saturday. That's called the lush hour. Call <laughs> it what rush, you will. Not that's rush a, hour, it's lush uh, hour. And uh, that's the professionals. Oh, right. Come at, yes. Like yourself. That's come right. at 2 o'clock. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's yeah. serious. Very serious. And then on Saturday, we're noon to 5. 
for everyone. So okay. Uh, <laughs> Come on down. Time for a nap at five. Hey, guys. Curtis Fenton with Capital Cider. Alan Shapiro, congratulations on uh, Ninth Annual Cider Summit and all your collaboration. Thanks, Christopher. Good to be here. Thank Re- you very much. Real pleasure to have you guys on Happy Hour Radio. Hey, folks. Hope you enjoyed the show. Lots going on. Next week, we've got the auction of Washington wine. So uh, they have the giant picnic coming up on August 18th. And, of course, the uh, Seattle Wine Summit, or SOM Summit, if you will, is Saturday, August 25th. Over at South Seattle College campus, uh, it's a one-day intensive program about uh, South African wine, garnacha, sake, uh, spirits, uh, and more. Check it out, somsummit.com. Remember, folks, when life, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! Cheers!